So far in our journey through the Bible, we have encountered a wide variety of literary genres. There have been books of the law in the Torah, stories of history in Kings and Chronicles, poetry in the wisdom literature, and op-ed pieces in the form of prophetic oracles. By the time this year is over, we'll add to the list with gospels, parables, and epistles. But for today, we read the only genre of its kind in the Bible. And understanding the style of the writing is as important as the message itself. The book of Jonah is a Saturday Night Live skit. What I mean by that is that Jonah is a parody. It is satire. It's meant to be humorous, exaggerated, and witty, but that doesn't make it untrue. In fact, like all great pieces of satire, the truths are so powerful and so provocative that the style of writing is the only way to hear it. Think about some memorable SNL skit that you've seen or a really funny piece that you've read from The Onion, or a, or a political cartoon that caught your attention. Many of them are anchored in real time, in real life, people and events, but they are told with such exaggeration and farce that you, you can't help but laugh at the parody of it all. But then there comes a moment when the skit goes to commercial, or, or you get to the end of the article, or you stop chuckling, and then just for a brief moment you realize this is hilarious, and there's also some truth here. And then it dawns on you. The message is here, and it's true because it's true about you and me. And it's true about the culture around us. It's true about the times we live in. Parody works because it uses humor to set up the gut punch. Satire is powerful because it makes you laugh in order to make you think. And the book of Jonah is the greatest piece of Saturday Night Live sketch comedy in the entire Bible. And it tells us something we need to know, but we are reluctant to hear about ourselves and about the times we live in. If it helps, you might imagine the character of Jonah being played by Will Ferrell or Steve Carell. In this four-chapter screenplay, we discover one exaggerated farce after another. Right away, we hear that he is named Jonah, son of Amittai. Jonah means dove, and Amittai means faithful. Jonah is supposed to be a man of peace. He's supposed to be the poster child for obedience, but he turns out to have absolutely zero ideal qualities about him. He is the exact opposite of a peacemaker, and he is one of the most faithless and disobedient people in the entire Bible. What a farce. It's a a perfect role for a comedic actor like Will Ferrell. As you read the story, you discover that one of the author's favorite words is the Hebrew word gadol, which means huge or big. It's a perfect exaggeration of word, and it occurs 15 times in these four short chapters. The wind is huge. The storm is huge. The sailor's fear is huge. The fish is huge. Gadol, gadol, gadol. Even the city of Nineveh is outrageously huge. It takes three days to walk across the diameter of the city. No ancient Near Eastern city was that big. That's a 45-mile that's a wide city. The diameter of Nineveh was only seven miles around. The original hearers of this story would have heard that part of the story and just laughed. He travels to Tarshish, 
the furthermost city to the west, literally the farthest reaches of the known world, as if to say he'd rather drop off the face of the earth than obey God. And then there is great satire at the very end of the story. After Jonah preaches to the Ninevites and the king repents and everyone in the city is saved, the final verse says that every person repented. Every man, woman, and child, and even the cattle repented. Even the livestock were saved. And the skit ends basically with animals muttering, I'm sorry, meh, I believe. And then when all the laughter is over, and the chuckling is finished, when the, when the knee slapping concludes, that's when the gut punch comes. The audience pauses and comes to that recognition that is a sign of all great parodies. This is funny because it's true. There's a truth here that I didn't see before about me. This is a story about us. It's about how Jonah is wrestling with the one question that is the toughest one to answer for people of faith. What is that question? How do you believe in God when the world doesn't make sense? God tells Jonah to preach a word of repentance to the Ninevites, a sworn enemy of the Israelites. Until then, every other prophet before him was called to send a word of condemnation against foreign empires. Isaiah did it, Jeremiah did it, Ezekiel did it. All of the major prophets spoke doom and gloom and punishment against foreign empires. But this time... God was calling Jonah to give Nineveh a second chance. That didn't make sense to him. And instead of going hundreds of miles east to Nineveh, he goes thousands of miles west to Tarshish. Why? Because in his mind, that's what made sense. In his mind, God was only the God of Israel, not of foreigners. So that meant that God only existed in Israelite territory not outside the borders. That's what made sense to him. So he figured that once he booked his ticket and took his passport outside Israel, he could escape the presence of God. But then he discovered a God who was bigger than that, a God who was not provincial or territorial, a God he could not escape. Well, that didn't make any sense to him either. Well, Jonah finally made it to Nineveh after all, and he reluctantly followed orders. He preached the single most half-hearted sermon in the history of preaching, just nine words long. He said, just 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. The truth is, destroying the Ninevites made more sense to him. Vengeance and violence and revenge made more sense to him. But when the Ninevites repented and God showed them mercy, that for sure didn't make sense to him. You see the pattern? The story of Jonah is one in which nothing that happens makes sense to him. Every assumption that he had about the way the world should work was shattered. Every notion he held on to that would have given him a sense of control was proven wrong. Every definition he had of fairness and justice was obliterated. And everything he thought he knew about God was flipped on its ear. None of it made sense. And when the chuckling was over and, and the talking animals went quiet, Will Ferrell stares at the camera and we realize that we are asking those questions right now in the deepest parts of our souls. 
does your faith in God rely on the world making sense? Does your trust in God decrease when feelings of helplessness increase? Does your belief in God depend on people getting what you think they deserve? Can you follow God even when things don't turn out the way you expect? Does the world have to make sense in order for you to believe in God? If you dig down deep within yourself, you may be asking those questions. As the anxieties of this pandemic continue to build and the disoriented feelings don't seem to go away, and you feel more and more confused, how hard is it to believe in God when things don't make sense? When we live under the assumption that if we just do the right thing and follow the rules the best we know it, then everything will work out, and whatever we think we need to fill that hole in our hearts will come just as we pray for it, what happens when it doesn't? How hard is it to believe in God when things don't make sense? We strive for justice and peace in our time and equality for all people. Yet inequality and injustice still smolder and we realize how much more work there is to be done. So how hard is it to believe in God when things don't make sense? In a political campaign season, when we align ourselves with candidates that we think hold the key to the better future, what happens if our candidate loses how hard is it to believe in God when things don't make sense? This is the central tension in the book of Jonah. It's between our assumptions about how the world should work and a God who is bigger, more mysterious, and beyond those assumptions. So Jonah had a choice to make, and so do we. And I haven't even said much about the big fish, have I? Well, I've saved it for here, for the end. Let's not, let's not bother with unpacking whether it was a whale or a fish, whether it was real or figurative. These are, these are all fun questions, but they aren't the central question. If the central question is, how do you believe in a God w when the world doesn't make sense? Then the answer is found in the belly of the fish. At least Jesus thought so. In Matthew chapter 12, some religious officials came to Jesus to test him, to, to provoke him, to, to challenge his notions of what made sense to him. And out of nowhere, in Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus breaks out with, hey, you guys remember that classic Saturday Night Live skit with Jonah? You know, the, the one with the huge storm and the huge fish and the huge city. I imagine that that caught the scribes and Pharisees off guard. And I can, I can imagine the disciples chuckling in the background, quoting lines from the, from the skit, picturing Will Ferrell covered with vomit. And then at the moment that the laughter died down, that's when Jesus said it. Yeah, I'm Jonah. Because you see, I'm going to be buried for three days in the belly of a grave. These were his exact words in Matthew 12. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. Jesus was essentially telling them that despite how nonsensical the world is right now, and even though his death would make no sense to them at all, 
God is bigger than our assumptions. Again, as Frederick Buechner said, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Jesus turned the question around. It's not a matter of believing in God despite the fact that the world doesn't make sense. We can believe in God because the world doesn't make sense. And however confused or helpless you might feel, whenever you find yourself stuck in how the world is, trapped in the belly of your darkest questions, confined by how things aren't working out the way you feel like they should, then all you have to do is remember that Jesus was there too. He has lived that skit. And in fact, he rewrote the ending. In Matthew 12, verse 41, he told those religious officials, he told his disciples, and he tells us right now, quote, someone even greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is here. And that's the difference that he makes. He enables you to hold on to your faithfulness to God, even when the world makes no sense. And that same God is right here with you, believe it or not. God is calling you and empowering you to live up to your name the way Jonah did not, to be a person of peace and a child of faithfulness one day at a time. Let's pray. God, there is so much about life right now that makes very little sense. So much of what we consider normal and routine has been upended, and there is much that gives us both fear and grief. So strengthen our faith, that our belief in you need not rely on the unsettledness of the moment. Remind us that even in the depths of our despair, even in the belly of our darkest difficulties, you are with us. And in Christ, you can raise us to new hope and new possibility. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, let all God's people say, amen.